Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hello, everybody. I'm Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Today's lesson was inspired by one of our Twitter followers. His name is Mike, and he's Catholic, so he has often challenged our interpretation of Scripture from that Catholic perspective. For instance, Mike recently wrote, Proclaiming the Word of God is very good, but where do you send those who are inspired by God's Word? Your place or His? Are you doing it for money or their salvation? Jordan, that's a fair question. We explained on Twitter that the answer is neither. We do not do this for money because, as Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve God in wealth. But we also don't do this for our listeners' salvation, at least not in the sense that Mike means. As our listeners know, our ministry is primarily for those who are already saved, as we focus mostly on the epinosis, or higher knowledge, about the kingdom. So Andy, Mike responded to our answer by quoting John 6, 53, this is where Jesus tells the crowds that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to have life. His point was that we should be teaching our listeners the Catholic doctrine that a person must literally ingest Jesus in order to be saved. Now, a proper response to this was too detailed for social media, so we decided to take it on as our lesson for today. Brother Mike, this one is for you. Join us now as we listen to the Word of God. A teaching of Jesus from the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That was John 6, verses 51 to 56. Mike, if you're listening, I just want to start out by saying first, thank you for this this question and commentary that you've had with us. And I also want to let you know that I actually come from a very strong Roman Catholic background. Um, I grew up in a church. My, I'm a first-generation son of a man from Budapest, Hungary, who comes from the Roman Catholic Church. So I know exactly where you're coming from. So um, I could you know, tell you from my heart that I think you're really going to enjoy this lesson today. 
Because Mike is Catholic, he views today's passage as supporting the necessity of the Eucharist for salvation. For those who don't know, the Eucharist is the Catholic ceremony commemorating the Last Supper. It is believed that during this ceremony, the bread and wine actually transform into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Right, so the point is that that doctrine would take John 6 literally. I mean, the Catholics literally believe that Jesus Christ was saying one must, must eat his flesh, again literally, and drink his blood literally in order to have salvation or eternal life. But was Jesus speaking literally? That's the question we're going to ask today as we get deeper into this uh, scripture reading. Yeah, Jordan. I mean, at the at the end of the day, Mike and anybody else who who believes, you know, the same way Mike does, like I once believed as well, the answer is always in studying the Word of God. Right. Instead of taking man's word for it or tradition, we look at scripture. That's how we have religion today. It's based on the same Bible that we all read. It's just a matter of studying it properly and getting the right interpretation. So to find out, let's apply the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym that we created to help remind believing Christians that they should consider the speaker, SP, the audience, A, and context, C, of a verse or passage of scripture before attempting any type of explanation, E. Hence, we have the word SPACE, the acronym SPACE. So we're going to use this today. The speaker, first of all, is obviously Jesus Christ. How about the audience? So let's back up to the beginning of the chapter to see that, Andy. John 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. Verse 2. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said, dot, dot, dot. So this large crowd would have been made up of mostly Jews, as we can see. And generally they came because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick, according to verse 2. And of course, that is why in 1 Corinthians 1.22, the Apostle Paul writes, Jews asked for signs, and Greeks searched for wisdom. But more to the point, the Jews came because they believed that Jesus might be their Messiah, their anointed one, their promised king. Jesus' ministry was to the Jews, and his message was specific to them. It was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you could read that in Matthew 4.17. Now verses 14 to 15 read, Therefore when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. So we see these Jews represented Israel as a nation, which they should have accepted, but we know they ultimately rejected Jesus as its king. If they had believed and accepted Jesus Christ, prophecy would have been fulfilled at that moment, and he would have become the new David at the time. Yeah, great points. And that brings us to the context, C, which is really the whole lesson, Andy. As we go back and look at the scriptural context, the proper explanation, or E, will become obvious. So let's keep in mind that the key question that we're trying to answer here, uh, the question that Brother Mike raised, is Jesus being literal or figurative when he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood? Is he teaching that we must literally consume his flesh and blood? Or is he establishing perhaps a symbolic representation or what theologians call a type? And we often talk about types or typology. It just means the study of symbols in the Bible or, or metaphors, if you exactly. will. So let's look at the beginning of John 6 again. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus Christ performs the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Verse 5 says, 
Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? Notice the key word bread there, which is what Jesus ultimately fed to them in addition to the fish. Yeah, and skipping ahead, Jordan, the crowds tracked down Jesus and the disciples across the sea in Capernaum. So when they find him, Jesus says, You seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. In other words, they sought Jesus because he had fed them physically. It wasn't the, the spiritual benefit they were looking for. They were just happy to have someone be their breadwinner at the time. Right. Then he says in verse 27, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. So Jesus sets up a comparison here. Perishable bread that feeds one temporarily versus imperishable bread that endures to eternal life. Okay, so now let's continue with verses 30 and 31. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Notice a direct connection here to the Old Testament type or symbol of bread from heaven, manna. Then verses 32 and 33, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Yeah, Jordan, this is obviously not literal bread, and he is obviously not talking about physical life. To make this unambiguous, Jesus continues to say, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Believes, right? Just believes. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And that's verses 35 and 36. So this is one of seven I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. And Jesus also says, he is the light of the world, that's John 8, 12. He's the gate, John 10, 9. The vine, John 15, 5, and so on. So we see these are all types that represent what Jesus' status is as far as the Jews back then into Christians today. Yeah, they're not literal. They're metaphors designed to help us understand his divine attributes. If they were literal, then we'd have to observe certain religious ceremonies, I suppose, with gates and vines and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, here in John 6, he's the bread of life and also, of course, the water of life. And let's look at it again. He says, he who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. And again, this is obviously not literal and not even those who believe they are literally consuming the body and blood of Jesus believe that they'll never again feel hungry or thirsty after doing that. Jesus Christ clarifies what he really means in verse 36 when he says, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. And notice that key word, believe. That's how they were to partake of Jesus, if you will, to simply believe in him, to believe what they had seen. Yeah, Jordan, to emphasize the point, he adds in verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Notice that Jesus did not say anything about needing to eat his flesh to be saved here. And those who behold must simply believe. I mean, that's a basic standard in Christianity. But the Jews weren't listening since Jesus had said multiple things that confused and, and offended them, obviously. You know, they start with his claims of, number one, having come from heaven. And, you know, 
there's a question of, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, the father and mother we know, they said? Or how does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? So Jesus answers them, and in doing so, he says again in verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Yeah, again, there's no mention of eating his flesh or drinking his blood here. He simply says, he who believes has eternal life, using that word believes again. And then he returns to his earlier metaphors, and he ties it all together, Andy, in verses 48 to 51. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And that part of the end there is also particularly important. He says, the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's foreshadowing here. It's obviously a reference to his coming sacrifice on the cross, but of course no one understood that then, not even his disciples. Instead, what happens here in the passage is the Jews continue grumbling and they take him literally. They say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 52. And that's when we come to the core of our scripture reading today. Yeah, I'll pick it up in John chapter 6 and verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. So let's break this down, Andy. Jesus first uses the physical bread from the feeding of the 5,000 miracle and the type of manna to establish a metaphor about who he was. His ministry was largely about this. The Jews were focused on the physical, and Jesus Christ wanted them to put these cares aside in favor of the spiritual. Exactly. His message was stop focusing on the flesh and focus on the spirit. And we see that all throughout his, his ministry. For example, he said during the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry then saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? Your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Back to John 6, Jesus says, I am not a bread king. I am not here to give you perishable food for your physical life. I am the eternal king here to give you imperishable food for spiritual life. Yeah, Jordan, again, this seems clear to Christians looking back, but it was not clear to the Jews before Jesus died on the cross. So there was obviously a little, you know, confusement there, but God knew what he was doing. He knew exactly who would believe and who wouldn't believe, and he actually mentions that at the end of John chapter 6. So even many disciples couldn't get it. I mean, that's obvious. And we read in verses 60 to 61, and it says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? And then he tries one last time to clarify this in verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. And here's the key point. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. So now if we, we look at, you know, today's study and we coincide, the answer to Mike's question is, 
let's not look at it from a physical perspective. We got to understand the context and realize that Jesus is speaking specifically and strictly from a spiritual, especially because of the words that he mentioned there in verse 63, that the flesh profits nothing. Yeah, and notice the symmetry in verse 63 with the Old Testament, which Jesus quoted during the temptation in the wilderness. Um, this, this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. It says, He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Amen. Very good. So let's look at the everyday takeaway from this study today. A couple points, Jordan. It is clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament that God desires us for us to believe and have faith, to care about spiritual nourishment and spiritual life, not so much physical nourishment and physical life. Yes, and with all due respect to Brother Mike and those who believe as he does, it's not necessary to eat Jesus' flesh literally because he was not speaking literally in John 6. When we eat the bread at communion, we're not following what Jesus said early in his ministry at Capernaum. We're following what Jesus said at the end of his ministry at the Last Supper, which is, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And that's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Yeah, and I think really the key thing, Andy, to remember going back to our passage today, we read a lot of verses. And I think the key thing to remember and, and to, to sort of frame the entire reading is to understand something more fundamental. And that is that you know, our salvation did not come from anything that we did or we do, such as you know, taking communion or whatever. It's clear from Jesus' teaching that it was all um, preordained, that, um, that there's, this, there's a sense of God's election here, right. that um, it's nothing that we did or we do, it's, it's, what God, it's God, who God chose, essentially, to, uh, to have salvation. So, so getting into these rituals and, and trying to put works on it is the exact opposite of what, what Jesus Christ was trying to establish. Yeah, and there's a purpose for works. There's definitely reward for works, and that's, that's one of the main topics that we try to share in our ministry is to keep people working righteously under the influence of the Holy Spirit to produce fruit so that when we do get to heaven at the Bema Seed, at the Judgment Seed of Christ, that we have something to show for our lives. Right. Now that we are saved and we know that we're saved, according to Scripture, like you mentioned, according to God's predestined election. And also keep in mind in John chapter 10, just to support what you're saying, Jesus went on to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So it's not like I was walking down the road one day and I saw a cross at the top of the church and I said, wow, you know what? This seems like the place I need to be in. No, it was God that, that planted that seed in our heart that when we did recognize the voice of Jesus Christ, we would follow that voice because he elected us to do that. Yeah, right. Jesus says, my, my sheep hear my voice. Again, we, we read part of that from John, you know. Exactly. So that's, that, that, that's a key metaphor as well. He, we, know, we recognize his voice. We didn't, we didn't pick him as the shepherd, you know. Exactly. And to stay in context, I'm going to continue on in John chapter 6, picking up after 63, which, like we, which we mentioned earlier, speaks of how the Spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing. So I'm going to pick up in verse 64 and read some verses. And I think this will help Mike and everyone at home that might be a little bit confused about this topic. Again, the key point is focus on what Scripture says, not about what you know man or tradition says, but what does Scripture say? Verse 64, But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. 
As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So right there, I just want to interject and say, I wonder, is it that they weren't walking with him anymore because they were worried about the concept of eating his flesh and drinking his blood? Or is it because Jesus called them out and said, I already know who really believes in me and who doesn't? It's an right. interesting question. Verse 67, so Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed, past tense, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. So we have to understand and realize that Jesus is completely omniscient. He is God. He's 100% man and 100% God. He knows everything. He did not make a mistake when he specifically handpicked the 12 apostles. He knew exactly what, what was gonna, going to happen because he's the one that wrote the story. Yeah, those are key points. And I think that um, the, the real core difference is what you hit on, and that's understanding the proper role of works and that it's not, uh, it's not for spirit salvation. It's not for salvation from hell. It's something that comes after salvation. And, and that confusion uh, leads to all this confusion with these doctrines to the point of taking things literally that should be, in fact, be spiritual. Absolutely. So everyone listening at home, when it comes to your salvation, remember and never doubt. Belief is all it takes. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we see that in Colossians 1.27. Because you believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we have salvation. Amen. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. 
To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click Donate. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.